This is Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. All right, welcome everyone. Patrick McEnroe here for a special Tuesday Twitter tennis podcast. And this Tuesday morning now where I am in the good old USA, uh, just outside New York, uh, on this day in early May, May 2nd here. And the tournament in Madrid going on, so we're sort of right mid-range through that tournament. So we'll discuss that. Thank you for sending in your Twitter topics, uh, things you'd like to discuss. Obviously, one of the biggest topics... uh, people are interested in, including myself, is Holger Hruna uh, and his controversy with the crowd over there, particularly in that match with Davidovich Fokina, which was an absolute marathon, and the Spaniard, Davidovich Fokina, ended up winning that uh, in an absolute thriller. Went the distance, went deep in the third. Uh, I think it was over a three-hour match. I'm just looking up the exact score here, so I got it. So I'll be looking down at my phone periodically. 7-6-5-7-7-6. I did see the highlights of this one. I didn't see the entire match, uh, but I went online, watched all the highlights because, of course, my Twitter was blowing up with what was going on with Holger. And I put out the video of the veteran chair umpire, Carlos Bernardis, having a little chat with him, which I thought was a great move by Carlos, who's been around for a long, long time. He had a little conversation with Holger on a change, or I believe it was at 5-4 in the at an opening set, uh, telling him, listen, you know, if you act like that, if you do those kinds of things, and it, again, I didn't see the whole match. It was a little bit unclear exactly what he did, at least to me. Uh, if you were there and you knew what happened, maybe you know more than I did. Uh, but I, I, I feel like I have a pretty good read on what Holger is all about. So I can only imagine, you know, whether, I think he rubbed them, cleaned a mark away. I think Davidovich Fokina was complaining about a mark. Uh, and the, the technology had called it out, or the replay, and he was like, no, no, the mark is right here. So that this is one of those instances that my buddy Brad Gilbert talks a lot about on e, when we're on ESPN, which is they should have the replay system on clay. That sometimes it's a little bit unclear. A lot of tournaments still go uh, with the mark on clay. Of course, the ATP, by the way, this reminds me of the announcement they made just this past week. So this was newsy. ATP making the announcement that I believe it's in 2025, all the tournaments on the tour. So that will obviously include the clay court tournaments as well. Will go to the cha- to the uh, computer generated system replaces. There'll be no more lines. People, lines. People are done uh, on the main tour of the ATP. And of course, we've seen that happen uh, at the U.S. Open, at the Australian Open. Wimbledon still has the lines. People, uh, I think the well, the French Open still does because they go by the marks. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens with those two majors. Will they go to an all electronic system? Seems to me they should. I mean, that's what the rest of the tour is doing. A lot of times Wimbledon and these types of decisions waits until they see how it plays out on the tours. Uh, you know, this was, an, this was the issue in the past with coaching, with uh, even just a challenge system in general when that came into play. So I think this would be the right move. Well, let's get back to Holger because Holger's story, I mean, I think we all know. The guy's a tremendous talent, brings a ton of energy to the court. I think he's capable of winning majors this year. Probably not. He still, to me, is a little bit up and down in the course of matches, but we've seen him play great in big matches. He likes the big stage. Ham it up, if you want to call it that. He likes to ham it up. He likes to engage the crowd, but he does it in a way that kind of irritates his opponents at times, uh, certainly irritates the crowd. So what's happening is he's developing 
a reputation. So he goes to Spain, goes to Madrid. Those are very savvy tennis fans. They follow this day in, day out. They know exactly what's going on. Uh, so as soon as he does something, you know, it's like Kyrgios. I mean, he does. he's a little, he's different than Kyrgios, of course, but he does it in a way that as soon as he does something, the crowd's like looking to get on him, and particularly because he's playing a Spanish guy in Davidovich Fokina, who's a great battler, competitive guy. But I like his moxie. Holger, and I, as I've said this before, he'll, I said in, the, in when I retweeted that, that uh, video of, of Carlos kind of a little bit giving him a scolding, but also giving him some advice, which was good advice. And I think it, it appeared to me as Holger was sitting in the chair that he was actually listening uh, and paying attention. So I, I think he's going to mature. We all know about the story with Vavrinka when you know he beat him in Paris. And by the way, remember the Paris Indoor last year, Bruno beat five top 10 players, including Vavrinka, to win the tournament. So this guy's got game. The players know that. But they also know that he can be annoying on the court. You know, with it, it's almost like there's one thing to be, be confident, like Alcaraz. It's another thing to be cocky. And there's a, you know, there's a fine line sometimes that separates those two. And, and there's no doubt sometimes Holger's crossed that line. But I think he'll sort of be put in his place by the rest of the tour. I've said this before. I'll say it again. It's hard to be a total asshole and be on the, on the tennis tour. Okay? You, it's possible to do it, but you end up living a, a very lonely existence. You know, it's not like you're on, you could be on one team. You, know, you can be a Draymond Green on the Warriors. who the, His teammates love him. Every other team hates him. The other crowd, opposing crowds hate him. But you like to have a guy like that on your team. But you're a basketball player, so you're playing for your home team. You've got your teammates. They've kind of got your back, even if they, you know, you, you might even annoy them. But in tennis, you know, you're on your own. So I know the players travel with their own entourages now, and they've got their whole teams behind them. So, But it's still important because you go into that locker room every week. You're with the same guys. You see them week in. We got, you got to battle with them, but then you, you kind of got to get along. I call it the traveling circus. And uh, it, it, that's where I think it becomes extremely hard to be the bad guy all the time. You know, Kyrgios does his antics on the court, but he's very well liked by the players in the locker room. Of course, if he pisses them off too much, you know, they might say, hey, Nick, you know, you're an idiot. But um, he's actually a very personable guy. I don't know Haruna as much off the court. I don't know as much about him. I know Nick pretty well from playing in, you know, the Labor Cup and being around him. He's extremely friendly. He's a great team guy. So I think Haruna will, will, will come around. Uh, I do think he's a threat to do some serious damage uh, at the French. Um, I love, you know, he, can, he plays the drop shot. He's not as good at the drop shot. In fact, he played a drop shot uh, there. Well, actually, Davidovich Fokina played the, his own drop shot on match point at 6-5 in the breaker. So there are a lot of drop shots between the two. But Haruna play oftentimes gets himself into trouble with the drop shot a little more often than you would like you know Alcaraz might miss a few but boy he plays the drop shot especially on clay when he can get you back behind the court as well as anyone that brings me to and I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to discuss this match because it's the biggest match of the day uh, and it's going to start fairly soon uh, as I'm talking to you in the morning it's mid-afternoon in Madrid uh, with with Alcaraz and Zverev and Zverev for whatever you think about his stuff off the court, uh, and he was cleared, by the way, at least from a legal standpoint, Zverev is looks like he's starting to find the game again. And Madrid is a place where he's had success in the past. He loves playing there. He's a really good clay court player. 
Remember in Madrid, there's a little bit of altitude there, so the ball goes through the air, through the court a little bit quicker, makes his serve even more effective, which is even effective on a slow red clay court. And uh, he's got the groundies and the movement that, you know, as we saw last year on the clay, particularly at Roland Garros, when he played three hours and two sets against Nadal, and then, of course, had the horrendous uh, ankle injury, which kept him out the rest of the year. So he's starting to find his form, and I'm looking forward to this one because Alcaraz, of course, is playing great. I think he's really good on clay. Is, 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 is it his best surface? Probably hard court, but he's going to be damn tough to beat, uh, in my opinion, at the French. I think that the, uh, the altitude in Madrid actually gives Zverev a little bit of a better chance in this matchup. So that's going to be one I'm going to be paying attention to uh, as this day unfolds. Now you got Hatchinov, who's through, actually beat Rublev, two buddies to two Russians going at it. Rublev's had a great clay court season. How about this? Altmaier had a win over t- today over Munar, so that's sort of an open section. That's where Kasper Ruud is, and he's been struggling big time. He went out early to Arnaldi, who's a qualifier from Italy. So Ruud's, I mean, unless he gets it together real quick, because remember, he got to the finals of the French last year, his ranking's going to drop considerably. All right, let me go to some more Twitter stuff because um, I think we covered Madrid pretty well, but I did send out a message to you on Twitter. Uh, so let's see what people said. Oh, my good buddy Harvey Ayrton, who's a longtime writer who's covered tennis with uh, so many different uh, newspapers, including the New York Times. Now he contributes there. And I think he was with the Daily News at one point. But Harvey wants to know, where is Coco's game and head right now? As in, <clears throat> excuse me, Coco Goff. That is a question that's on a lot of people's minds, Harvey. And you will be interested because later this season, I just recorded a podcast with the legendary coach Rick Macy, who did nobody better at breaking down the technical aspects of the game. And apparently, according to him, he's been in touch with Coco's father about possibly spending some time to obviously try to try to fix that forehand. Because we all know the forehand uh, swing and the technique on the forehand is very shaky. And Rick actually, I'll give you a little teaser of the podcast. He said to me, if he could spend a, a, a solid amount of time with her, that he thinks she can win multiple, multiple majors. Because right now, uh, it's not solid enough off the forehand wing that he believes she can do it at the moment. Now, remember, she's been close. I mean, she got to the finals of the French last year. All right? So it's not like she's and, – and she's still ranked, you know, well inside the top ten. I mean, I'm just peeking at my phone so I can get the uh, latest of where she is. Let's check the rankings right here. She's going to be still in the top ten, I think, WTA singles. She's six. She's six in the world. Garcia at five, who also lost early over there. But she got destroyed by Bedosa. Bedosa had fallen in the rankings because, as we see with so many of the women, they go way up, they come down, you know, back up again. It's like a roller coaster ride. You know, so you got to at least say, give Coco credit that she's like, she's staying where she is. Now, of course, like Rude, she's got all those points to defend at the French. So you would think. That's starting to play on her mind a little bit because remember in tennis, you have to defend your points from the previous year. So the players are always thinking about that big result they have coming up, particularly if they don't have that many of them. You know, when you're one of the greats, they don't even worry about that. They're so good. But if you're someone like a rude, you know, you get, you're someone that surprisingly made the semis of a major or the finals of a master's event, and that's by far your best result during the year. Um, that gets, you know, starts to weigh on you as it starts to approach and you're losing first, second round, 
which Coco has done, particularly over there on the uh, clay, on the red clay. So, Harvey, to your question, and thanks for it, and other people chimed in on this as well, I think it's in a precarious situation, very precarious, because I'm not sure that she's going to, you know, she's going to, obviously we know what a hard worker Coco is. She's a phenomenal athlete. She's got a great backhand, great movement, can come to net, just so many positive. But if you have a glaring weakness, which is being exposed, and is because of the tech technique on it, you know, kind of it can come and go. I mean, she obviously can hit huge winners off the forehand, but particularly on clay where you have to build the point, you have to stay with it. Um, it can be a lot, lot trickier to when you have a technical issue off the ground, particularly, you know, to hit a million balls in a row. All right, let's see who else we got. We got um, someone sent me an old classic picture, Samir, of a Borg with a Slazinger wood racket. Love that. Uh, Anisimova, Clinton Skink Tyree says, what's the deal? Is she ever going to reach her potential or just another Bouchard? Yeah, I'm worried about Anisimova, the young American. Is she still a teenager? I think she's maybe 20, 21 right now. Um, you know, she's a great ball striker. Obviously, she had the horrendous situation with her dad, who was just she was very close with, was sort of her coach for a long time, too. But but let other people do the day to day, I think, for the most part. I remember her when I was with the USDA and she would take lessons, you know, once or twice a week when she was like 11. So she is not a great mover on the court. And so it, it looks like her fitness is not where it should be. And that's going to be problematic because she doesn't just have natural great speed. She's a natural great ball striker. But if you can't get in yourself in position and it just look, it looks to me like she's not really enjoying it out there, enjoying herself. And I think that's, um, that's a big problem. Double faults, kind of back to the Sinner and, and Haruna thing. Seems like general crowd supports Sinner and Alcaraz with Haruna being the odd man out. Similar to Roger and Rafa getting all the love, so naturally they go against Djokovic earlier in their careers. Interesting points. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to put those three guys in the same place as the, those other three guys at the moment, but I think about the crowd stuff, it's interesting because, you know, Novak has sort of fought against that really his entire career, and in some ways it's, it's fueled him um, throughout the course of, of his career. That, by the way, Novak and Rafa out, didn't play in Madrid. Remember now, Madrid as I said, has heavy altitude. It's, it's more unlike the French Open conditions than any of the other big clay court tournaments. Rome is the most like it when it's hot. You know, when it's cold in Paris, it's more similar to the Monte Carlo conditions, which are cooler, comes earlier in the year. But Madrid, because the altitude is really different. So for those top guys, obviously they've got injury issues as well. Rafa, more injury issue than the Novak with the is he hasn't even played and Novak we know has have you know, a little bit of an elbow problem but he's been able to play so they'll they're fine with skipping Madrid because of that reason they're not that worried about it so you know we'll see in the next you know Rome is going to be key to see where they're both at and if Rafa even show if Rafa doesn't show up for Rome does he even attempt to play the French I'd say probably not He's going to want to at least get some matches there and be able to practice a ton which he loves to do during tournaments. Tennis Sandgren, my buddy from the tennis world, uh, who's a player, of course, who's, who's trying to come back himself. Best, harshest crowds you've experienced or seen? Great question, especially when it relates to Hruna. I mean, Davis Cup, you see some rough crowds. When I was Davis Cup captain tennis, uh, Serbia, for example, the crowd was pretty tough. Like They were actually even tough on Novak, which I know you would understand because they were like putting so much pressure on Novak. You, could, you know, That was like an angry crowd. 
I've never been to into South America. My brother played there a bunch of times. You know, I threw coins at him in Buenos Aires. The South American crowds I know from talking to Jimmy Arias, Tim Mayotte, guys like that that went down there, Crickstein, that played in, in Paraguay and South American countries. That's probably the worst. I mean, the European countries get loud and get vocal, but they're they're not sort of angry. They're, you know, they, they're into it, but... Um, not super loud. I mean, we played the Davis Cup final in Spain. We played the semifinal against uh, the French in Paris. You know, great crowds, but some more supportive of their team as opposed to angry. So good stuff here. Um, trash talking in modern tennis. Well, we, we know about that. I gave you my thoughts, Andrea Van Slyke, on the French this year. Why Sitsipas can't win big with all his talent trading Aldea. Should he hire Brad Gilbert as coach? Interesting. Uh, Brad would probably be interested. Sits a pass is close. I mean, he's been in a couple major finals, including at the French a couple years ago, had a two-set lead there on Novak. I mean, I think he's knocking on the door. I think the one thing that hurts him is his backhand, you know, for this level. Okay, his backhand is still amazing. But when you compare it to Novak, Rafa, you know, even Alcaraz, they can kind of get the, they can go after his backhand and get him to play short and not be able to hurt you as much. He uses the backhand more as a setup shot, and his slice isn't great, not a great slice. So I think that side he's got to shore up. I, I actually was watching him a little bit yesterday against Baez, which was a good three-set win for him. It looks to me like he's trying to take the ball a little bit earlier even on clay, uh, and, and hit and be a little more, more aggressive with the forehand. He needs a lot of time on the back end. You know, he takes that big swing, and I think that hurts him a little bit once he goes up against the big boys. All right, I'll just do one last one. Gotham Gator, how high can current young Americans rise in the rankings? That actually, thank you for the reminder, and then I'll, I'll sign off, because Taylor Fritz, he's going to be the highest rank because he's showing you on the red clay that he can win matches consistently. He's still alive in, in Madrid, had the run to the semis in Monte Carlo. Uh, he's, you know, Tiafo went out early. Paul went out early. Those guys certainly in the mix. Corda, at least back, lost early, but his first match since Australia. So I'm, think, I'm hoping he can find his A game by Wimbledon because I think actually Corda could be the guy that, that could actually win Wimbledon. Fritz, remember, was in the semis last year. So I think it'll be Fritz who will be the highest ranked by the end of this year. If you're asking me long-term, I like Sebastian Corda as a guy who I think will end up winning uh, a couple of majors. All right, that's a Tennis Tuesday for you. Thanks, everyone, for the, the uh, topics on Twitter. Sorry I couldn't get to all of you. And uh, we have got another big one coming up this Thursday here on Holding Court. Don't forget to subscribe to and share Holding Court. Holding Court is powered by Mudhouse Media.